0: Welcome to Trailblazing Nursing, a podcast sponsored by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. I'm Usha Menon, Dean of the College of Nursing and Senior Associate Vice President at USF Health. Every month, we'll bring you a 15 minute discussion on current topics in nursing, talking with your colleagues and experts from across the world. It is my pleasure to have with me today, Mary Mayhew, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Hospital Association. Mary's more than 30 year career spans public and private sector roles and combines experience and expertise in government relations, executive leadership, regulatory oversight, public affairs, and public policy. Her proven history of driving accountability around integrated care models, addressing social determinants of health, and navigating through an unprecedented global pandemic has made her a renowned leader in healthcare policy, innovation, and advocacy. Mary, welcome to the 2022 Season 2 of the Trailblazing Nursing podcast from the University of South Florida College of Nursing.
1: I could not be more delighted to be joining you to be part of this podcast and to be focused on this area of discussion that is so critical to the future of Florida and to the ability to meet the healthcare needs of all Floridians. So thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to join you today.
0: Our pleasure. Um, So I'm just going to dive right in. So I first came to know about you and got to meet you on those endless Zoom meetings um, because you uh, published a report on the state of nursing in Florida, uh, a very scary report, shall I say, that caused uh, a lot of eyebrows to go up in consternation, but a lot of us to start thinking very seriously about the future. So um, Mary, could you tell us Um, how the current state of nursing impacts our Florida hospitals.
1: Thank you. And I, I think we all are a bit alarmed of where we are today Uh, with our overall healthcare workforce, but but especially as we look at nursing, uh, the the volume of nurses that we need in this state, in our hospitals. I'm here today talking about hospitals, but of course, as we know, we need nurses in so many different areas of the continuum of care. Uh, When we began to look at this, it was still in the midst of the pandemic. We knew that we had a healthcare workforce shortage, a nursing workforce shortage before the pandemic. We also understood that the pandemic was like a gasoline can over that fire. The stress, the exhaustion, the impact on on mental health of our nurses, our, our frontline healthcare heroes as a result of the pandemic was going to exacerbate the shortage. When we conducted the analysis, I have to say that I've done a lot of data uh, work over the years. I was I was shocked uh, by the number. the The conclusion for Florida is that by the year 2035, we will be short nearly 60,000 nurses if we don't begin to improve the pipeline, the capacity in our system uh, to educate, to train, and to produce the number of. Uh, nursing graduates that can meet the demand. And I think one of the things we have to keep in mind about Florida, third largest state in the country, we have 800 to 1,000 new individuals moving to our state daily. Over half of them are over the age of 60. So the demand for healthcare services in Florida is skyrocketing. To meet that demand, we have to have the healthcare workforce that's here and ready and qualified to support that demand.
0: Gosh, Mary, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Um, but but what a great analogy, you know, that gasoline and that simmering fire. And I wonder if the first thing I could ask you to speak a little bit more in detail about what was the state of nursing before? Not many people know that we were experiencing a shortage even before the pandemic. Could
1: you speak just a little bit to that? I, I can. And you know, the interesting thing, of course, about healthcare and nursing is that we've experienced Cyclical shortages over many decades, and the way that I often describe it is as we think about how healthcare and hospital services, in particular, have changed. And I, and and again, I'm speaking to this from the perspective of hospitals, as the services in the inpatient senate inpatient uh, setting began to migrate. Uh, to outpatient and then increasingly to um, community-based services. Now you're dealing with this competition to fill 24-7 hospital services that requires nights and weekends, and you've had an increasing uh, number of opportunities in the community that are eight to five, Monday through Friday. So that began to have an impact on both the total number of nurses needed, but also from a hospital perspective, competing with those additional opportunities in the the community. Obviously, um, over the last several years prior to the pandemic, with both the increased population growth in Florida, uh, the increasing demand for health care services. I think that's something else that perhaps we don't often think about. Our expectations around access to health care services, we're not accustomed to thinking in terms of I'll wait three months, six months. We want it as soon as it's been identified as a need. That has dramatically increased the the need for capacity in the healthcare system the the supply of healthcare services that have to be supported by our nursing workforce so yes we were absolutely seeing a challenge a workforce shortage i would also say that while the shortage the nearly 60,000 uh, shortage of nurses by the year 2035 is a huge crisis The the real crisis today is because of the pandemic. We are seeing turnover rates that we have not seen. Some of them ever. Uh, They are historical. We just did this analysis. We have a turnover rate among our nurses of over 31 percent. That is So much higher uh, than than generally what we would ever see. Um, We have a vacancy rate of over 21%. Now, of course, that isn't a true vacancy rate in terms of um, we don't have the nurses. That just means we're using a lot more temporary contracted nursing staff to meet the demand. So you have this combined issue of the pipeline are we Are we growing the workforce to meet current and future demand for nursing? And then you've got the acuity of the extreme challenge that exists today um, uh, for nurses because of the the just the extreme consequences of spending two and a half years responding to this unprecedented public health crisis uh, through the pandemic. And I you know, and again, I'm speaking to this from nursing, from hospitals, nursing homes uh, are are struggling uh, significantly uh, to recruit and retain, to ensure that they've got the labor supply to support the demand.
0: Yeah. So, you know, to to somebody not in healthcare listening in, you know, they might point to what you said early on when we first started talking uh, and you said by 2035, you know, we're slated to have a shortage in excess of maybe 60,000 nurses. And so person might think, well, that's quite a few years down the line from now. Why is the sky falling today? The problem is we have to fill the pipeline. It's not a quick fix. And, and you can't fill the pipeline with only new nurses. So you've got to have experienced nurses that, you know, we put into play now. The USF College of Nursing, I think you may have heard, we've said we would make a commitment to try and increase our um, undergraduates, graduates by 200 percent over the next five years. It's a very bold move, but I think the situation calls for bold solutions. So uh, tell us a little bit more about what you think schools of nursing in Florida should be doing. How could we partner with the Florida Hospital Association? What should we be thinking about as we think about what's coming down the pike in 2035?
1: Well, I couldn't have said it better than what you just described. The, 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 those bold initiatives uh, it is exactly where we need to be. And it is difficult. And it is why you do the analysis to look out several years because of exactly what you just described. As we know, any organization, any institution, whether it's a healthcare entity um, or an academic organization, we don't get to flip a switch and shift resources around or rapidly expand Uh, capacity, never mind how long it takes uh, to go through our educational programs in order to produce that new nurse. And so priming the pump, if you will, and speaking to the pipeline, that's why we have to look out uh, over a decade to understand what are the actions that have to occur today. Now, as I said, we've got a crisis today. With you know an over thirty one percent turnover rate, over twenty one percent vacancy rate, and so we are responding today. That involves um, retention strategies. That that involves um, efforts to look at workplace environment. But you asked about partnerships, and I, again, I couldn't be more proud of the working relationships, partnerships that that have have largely existed. Um, for, for many, many years regionally between hospitals and health systems and their uh, their universities, their community colleges, that is essential because there's got to be alignment between what the health sector, what hospitals need in terms of that workforce and what our educational um organizations can be focused on as as you have to make decisions as our educational uh, partners have to make priorities for allocation of resources now i would say over the last uh, 18 months as we've as we've really galvanized around some of this data and that forecasted shortage of nearly 60,000 nurses you know we've also looked at at the physician shortage we've looked at other um, healthcare professionals, respiratory therapists, lab technicians, but together using that data, I have seen just some powerful regional engagement uh, to really focus on what that looks like. And of course, I think you know what I'm hearing as great examples: hospitals loaning nurse executives to support faculty needs. Um, Uh, scholarships, of course, always scholarships, but there are also partnerships on career ladders. So we've got uh, CNAs who aspire to become an RN. But as I've said often, that CNA is supporting a family, putting food on the table, paying rent, paying their mortgage. They can't simply quit their jobs to go to school full time. How do we bend how do we create the flexibility that supports the career ladders that helps to support that individual that is not only about that educational attainment, but it's about economic mobility? Uh, and so the world has changed on from so many different aspects, but but you know, we often try to find some. Silver lining to the to the extreme crisis that we went through through the pandemic, and one of those is the the ability to support virtual learning, and uh, you know virtual engagement to the extent that we can really continue. We can't do it all that way, obviously, uh, but I think being mindful of how we support the the convenience of bringing these programs, the educational programs, to the staff uh, to help support those aspirations, that's going to make a big difference in in our efforts. But those partnerships, those regional and statewide partnerships are absolutely foundational to, to how we together address these challenges.
0: I'm so glad you talked about retention to address the immediate issue and and what we're doing at USF College of Nursing, and I know other schools are doing some version of this as well, is trying to prime the pump a little bit earlier. So we have internships that we're working on with our area hospitals. We've got a great relationship with Moffitt or pilot testing, putting students in much earlier you know, into the Moffitt system. The other piece that we're working on is a program called Preceptorship to Hire. So senior students are embedded in the various hospital systems, kind of giving them the hospital a chance to vet them before they even graduate, and then having the students think about, you know, is this a system that I want to work in? Um, then it's pretty pretty seamless, and in a way, you've almost onboarded from the hospital perspective your own employee, you know, while they were still in that last semester of school. And, and we've had, like you said, some great, um, uh, um, uh, very open dialogues with our, uh, with our hospital partners about, you know, ways in which we can kind of work together. Um, but I also think reaching into high schools And even middle school, it's very competitive to get into nursing school. I think high school is almost too late. You've got to get them in middle school, convince them about this profession, and then tell them what it's going to take to get in.
1: Well, you probably recall, you know, decades ago, I remember um, Johnson & Johnson uh, was doing a national media campaign to highlight the role of nurses. Uh, At that time, um, I was involved in in this arena and we were going into the middle schools. To your point, how do you start planting those seeds? I even remember a program that was trying to get into the elementary grades. You know, we all ask kids, you know, when they're young, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we want to make sure that I want to be a nurse remains, uh, you know, one of those priority occupations. And so I had seen at the time some very creative programming. That resonates with that age group, or or each age group, and then so how do you get in and talk with a a, uh, a student in middle school, and then obviously on into high school, and I think as you as you get into high school, it really is more about explaining the logistics. Of the steps they need to take, the plan they need to execute on that helps to support that pathway into nursing school. So I'm a I'm a big believer in that. I have talked to our hospitals that are having incredible partnerships with high schools and vocational schools um, and really helping to support that, that understanding. I do, you know, we talked, you talked about retention, and I will say this. And I think, you know, this is um this is an area that our hospitals are spending a lot of time on it is, and I've said this repeatedly, it is one of the most difficult and demanding jobs, uh, especially within a 24 seven environment and especially within a hospital. If you are admitted today in a hospital, we've really moved a lot out, outpatient, uh, great deal of focus by the payers on, on one night stays and observation status. So if you get admitted to a hospital, you are really in need of extreme acute level care. And so it is a demanding job under the best of circumstances. And of course, as as we've repeatedly said, we've had nurses who've endured a pretty unprecedented set of circumstances over the last two and a half years. But our hospitals today are trying to look at ways that help support that team at the bedside. Tough to, to make it any less demanding, but, how do we, from a retention perspective, continue to look at the workplace environment, the 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 complementary team, the use of remote monitoring, ways to reduce I hesitate to even say it, but the paperwork, the the administrative burden, the efficiencies that can be gained from leveraging, technology. That is absolutely front and center. And I would also say, and and I don't have a good answer for this, there's a difference in the age demographic and what their expectations are or what their understanding may be of a 24-7 environment. You know, um, the, the movement toward remote work, it doesn't work in a hospital, of course. I'm joking. Obviously, it doesn't. However, There are some remote opportunities uh, to to do the monitoring uh, that can take some of the load off of others within the hospital. And so looking at those opportunities and understanding uh, how we can retain our staff, how we can be responsive to the needs of the, you know, what the 23 year old. Um, is looking for in their work versus the 35-year-old versus the 55-year-old who may have retirement uh, in their site. So that is equally a part of a lot of the work that our hospitals are focused on today.
0: Very well said. Um, Before we close, if you could be talking to a group of my nursing students right now, what is one piece of advice
1: you would share with them? There are so few professions where you can have an impact on lives on 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 well-being on on health than being a nurse this is where you have an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life every single day that can't be said for a lot of other professions. And so my 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 comment to the students uh, to those who are thinking about becoming students there there is so much to be gained from this incredible profession and such a difference to be made in the lives of so many that we care for and support in the healthcare delivery system and that I uh, am truly grateful. Uh, to all those who today serve and, and work uh, as nurses and to those who are in school and those who can't wait to get into a nursing program.
0: Right. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Please join me in thanking Mary Mihu on her insight and wisdom, uh, but also for her inspirational message to our nursing students.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You can learn more about the USF College of Nursing at health.usf.edu forward slash nursing. Until next time, here's to trailblazing your own
1: path.